Thank you, everybody, for the songs. Just let God in, don't let the devil win. That kind of goes along with the sermon this morning. I'm going to... Last, last Sunday, we, we went through several scripture verses, right? I doubled that this time. <laughs> but you don't have to turn with me to all of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I have to, I have, I put in here in my notes, it says, Scripture references in order of use in sermons, Scott. Sometimes I get a little out of whack here. Hey, listen, you know that uh, about 300 million people in the world suffer from some type of anxiety or depression. That's pretty, pretty common. But it's not normal. Worrying is very common. It's part of being human. Right? But it's not normal. It's not what God intended for us as followers. You see, we put our faith and our trust in the Son of God, Jesus Christ Himself. And Jesus tells us multiple times, do not worry. Yet, we find ourselves worrying about things. So, I'm going to start off in Matthew chapter 6 to remind us that uh, Jesus tells us this on his Sermon on the Mount. In verse 25 of chapter 6, he says, That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. So he's just talking about all the things he's going to provide. He goes on, he says, Can you, in verse 27 of that same chapter, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Well, I know. Of course not. That same Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 29 and 30, starting at the end of 30 there, he even challenges us. Jesus himself says, Why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith? In verse 32, he says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Hearsay, they should not dominate the thoughts of believers. Because Jesus says they dominate the thoughts of those who are in me. Those who are not Christians, those who are not following in my ways, are dominated by these worries. Why are you? Hmm, it's an intriguing question. He reminds us again in verse 34 of that same passage. So, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries, right? He says, today's trouble is enough for today. Yeah. Do you know what's faster than the speed of light? They would say nothing. Well, I'm telling you, the speed of life is faster than the speed of light. I mean, can you not think of how fast our lives are going? Our minds respond so quickly to things and situations and we can't even fathom how quickly they do. As soon as I tell you to not think about an elephant, what did you just do? Faster than the speed of light and faster the speed of life it can be, you're thinking about that elephant I just told you not to think about. Am I right or am I right? The fastest thing in life is, or the fastest thing on this planet is the speed of life. 
God says, you know, there's enough things to worry about, so don't worry about it today. And God tells us over and over again, hey, don't, don't worry. So if that's not enough for you, if you go to Philippians uh, chapter 4, uh, this would be Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I lost my spot here already. Okay. Yeah, right there, just fell out. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, uh, again, Jesus says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You see, worry and faith are directly opposed to each other. They're opposites. So the more you worry the less time you have for faith. The more faith that you have, the less time you have to worry. See what I'm saying? So, so you, you need to choose, we need to choose to worry or to have faith. And listen, there are, there are many times, and Jesus tells us today has its own issues. There are times when it's okay. There's times when you're gonna get worried. But especially in those times, I've got multiple verses here. Jesus says, don't. Don't. Yeah. I heard something this week that was really interesting. I was challenged with this, and he said, uh, if the Bible were, were not even written, ever written, I would still be a Christian. Because our faith is not in the Bible, that would be idolatry. Our faith is in the subject of our Bible, which is Jesus. And there's enough, hist we talk about historical context and the witnesses of the witnesses and all of those things last week. And that just based on life in general and just rational reasoning, Jesus existed. And Jesus was, res was, was put on a cross and Jesus died and resurrected three days later. So, putting our faith in, in Jesus. And so what Jesus did is he gave us his Bible. The Bible is very important. It tells us how to live our lives and this and that. He, so he gave it to us for a reason. So why so many times, and I have in here at least 11 times, and that's not even close to it, he says, don't worry. Stop. You know that statistically 92% of the things you worry about never come to fruition. Or only 8% of the things you worry about actually happen. So, to keep the devil out, bring God in. Just like the song talked about. It's one or the other. And even as well-meaning followers of Jesus Christ, we have times when we worry. But there'll be enough of that. There'll be enough of that. But most of the time, it's just, it's just like... You know, who else would say you got a 92% chance of living if we do this surgery? He said, well, I'm going to do that surgery. Yeah, of course. That's, that's high odds, isn't it? That's pretty high odds. Yeah. 92% in most colleges and most universities and most high schools is an A. That's an A. <laughs> Yet most of us fail in the area of worrying about things. Before I go over to Hebrews, 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says this. 
Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares about you. Give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. Jesus, God himself, actually cares about me. Can you imagine that? It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, where you're currently at, what your mind state. He, you know, I saw a thing this week and it showed a little boy or a little girl and she's reaching up to God. She says, this is all I got. And she's got a picture of a heart. And God says, it's all I've ever wanted. That's all God wants. He wants you to love him. Who in here can force anybody to love them? Nobody. God's not going to force you to love him. He says, you love me. Your worries are gone. That doesn't mean we're not going to have hard times. That doesn't mean we're not going to have cancers. That doesn't mean we're not going to have neck surgeries. It doesn't mean we're not going to have sore throats. It doesn't mean we're not going to be ill and have COVID. It doesn't mean any of that. He says, but through that, can you have enough faith? Does faith the size of a mountain? No. He says, the faith the size of a mustard seed. Just, just a little, little bit of faith. If you have just a little bit of faith, can you, can you, can you stick with me? Through the bad and the good. But we're a silly people particularly in the Western culture, because when things are going really well, we think, well, we got this, we got this, I got this, I don't need him, I don't need her, I don't need them, I don't need God, because I got it. But then as soon as something bad happens, we lose a job, we lose uh, the ability to turn on our heat, we lose our, our mind, we lose our wife, we lose a friend, whatever it may be, we go, God, where you at? Where you at? How come you're not in my life? I need you now. Well, listen, you needed him just as bad when it was good as you do when it's bad. Yeah, we, we tend to live our lives as a roller coaster, the ups and the downs, and the ups and the downs, and it just goes on, and we don't have to live that way. Worrying is a choice. It really is. There's enough things that you'll need to worry about. You know, you know we've got sick parents, we've got, uh, you know, wow, we wonder when they're going to, you know, we, you know, listen, um, those are not humanly good things as we see them, but Listen, we're all going to, you know, the two things for sure, taxes and death, right? Hey, if I can borrow that phrase, but we're not here for very long because life is very fast. Yeah. So, again, Jesus says, give me all your worries. Because, you see, when we, when we try to take on the worries, what we're really saying is, I got this. I can handle this. The human mind was never meant to be able to handle all the things that we encounter. It's impossible. That, that's why a nearly 32% of all Americans at some point in time will be on some type of medication to help with anxiety or worrying. Now, that's not to take into account some of the chemical imbalances and things, but a lot of our worrying is just, just that. It's, it's, it's self-made. Because the things we worry about are the things that we anticipate are bad or going to happen to us. I wonder, I wonder when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I always go back to that. A lot of times in sermons, because I, I think that was just a, I think it was a precipice moment in, in our Savior's life. Was he worried? Was he, was he worried? I, I don't think, you know, it was a choice. Did he, did he, did he, you know, he, chill, he chose 
He says, Father, not my will, but yours. And may this cup pass from me. So you have to wonder, he knew, he knew that he was going to get beat. He knew that he was, his skin was going to get filleted. He knew that he was going to have a crown of thorns. He knew he was going to be bled out. He knew he was going to get pierced in the side. He knew he was going to hang there and he was going to be suffocating. Do, do you think that he liked that thought? I, I don't think he did. As, as fully God as he is, he was fully man. And I think he dreaded the idea of people shredding his body. Was he scared? Yeah. But I don't think he worried about it because he knew the outcome. Does that, does that make sense? So we can be in a lot of pain physically, emotionally, psychologically, you name it, but have enough faith to worry, uh, have enough faith to give all your worries to him. Say, you know what? I'll, I don't like what I'm going through, but I'm going to give it to you. Say, some, some of you, it's as simple as saying this. Help me, God. You don't have to recite a prayer that you've memorized. You don't have to try to go to the Bible. You don't have to have a Bible. You just say, God, I need help. What do you need to give him? Your heart. With all humility and the love that you got, say, God, I surrender. And I need your help. You don't have to try to explain the help that you need because he already knows. I, I have, I've been in those situations where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain to God, God, what I mean to say is, I'm, no, really, and I'll get deep into a prayer, and then I'll, no, God, what I, what I, what I meant was, and I'll go, God, you already, you already know. You already know. He says, give me all your worries because I, I care for you. Yeah. In Hebrews 13, if that's not enough, in Hebrews 13, verse 5, he says, Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. I will never do anything to harm you. So then Hebrews goes on, so that we can say with confidence, because we know that God will never forsake us or leave us. He says, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. It's awesome stuff. Now, now you can turn your Bibles to Job. Go to Job 36, because I'm going to stay in Job. And I thought that I was getting things ready this week. Can I go from worrying and anxiety to where I wanted to start? I wanted to be in Job. Is the Old Testament stuff's good stuff, okay? And all the stuff that's in the Old Testament that's prophesized is the words of God. Look for Jesus in all the words in the Old Testament. Because it's about Jesus. And some of these prophets, I mean, well, all of these prophets, they never, they never had the opportunity to see Jesus like we did. Or the, the folks of the New Testament did. And to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit and to understand what Jesus did for them. But those prophecies were meant for you and me. Were meant for you and me. We talked about Isaiah 53 and some psalms, and we talked about all those and all the prophecies that talk about Jesus very specifically. 
that happened divinely, which tells us that the Bible can only be divinely inspired. So you think about one of the oldest books in the Bible is Job. So go to Job chapter 36. Do you remember Job was struck down and you know the story and a righteous man and God allowed Satan to mess with him. But he says you can't take his life, but you can take everything out. Job is a righteous man. He's a good dude. And we could get into why would God allow that, which is kind of what the whole book of Job is. Why? Who is God? Who does he think he is? And Job's friends and his wife, they they surround him and they, they mourn with him and they're, they're trying to give him advice. And the basic content of their arguments is somewhere, Job, somewhere, you've, your sin has led to this tragedy. And we know from experience and from the New Testament and from the, the, the end of the story when we get to the end of Job, that that's just not the case. That you can have bad things happen in your life and you'd be the most righteous dude or gal that you could possibly be. You're the biggest church going. You don't just tie. You just not that high tie. You don't, you don't even just go. I mean, you, you do everything right. You've never cussed. You've never drank. you never smoked. You never did any of those things. you never stolen. You, know, you think, at least you think you have. And oh, something happens and all of a sudden you find yourself in the calamities of a tragedy. And it's not because of sin. Not because of your sin. We live in a fallen world, folks. And sin has caused things to deteriorate and you know, leaves fall off of trees. Every day we're shedding a, a layer of cells off our bodies. Every day we're getting a little bit older, you know. They've been doing a study in some of these crazy creatures that God has made that didn't evolve, by the way. God made them. There's a chameleon. You take a chameleon, you cut his limb off, and what happens? The limb grows back. I don't understand that, but I also don't understand it's all the technology we have. We can send people to Mars. We can send people to the moon. We can do all these wonderful things over the internet, but we can't figure out how the chemicals inside of something that we can physically see. There's thousands of these stupid little iguanas and these chameleons all over the place. We We can't figure out how that happens. Wouldn't that be nice to know if you lost your leg, you could grow it back? We ought to be able to figure out how to do that. That's just amazing. And people go, well, God doesn't exist. That's amazing. Have you ever seen pictures of that? Cut the leg off, give it a few months, and it start to grow up. That would be a, God has given us all the examples of how wondrous He is, even in light of tragedy. So you may have a situation in your life where something is suddenly cut off. You no longer have it. But God reminds us through His wonderful nature I will provide. Hang on. Maybe limping for a while. And I'm not talking about legs. You know what I'm talking about. Job 36, though, his friends try to remind him of. So in chapter 36 of Job, verse 22, Elihu reminds Job of God's power. He says, look, and, and, and he says, look, God is all powerful. So not everything his friends said were, were wrong. Matter of fact, most of what they said was right. It's just that their conclusion was wrong. So it's important that we listen to his friends. And he says, look, God is all-powerful. We're talking about worry. Remember, keep that in the back of your mind. 
God is all-powerful. Who is a teacher like him? No one can tell him what to do or say to him, or no one can say to him, you have done wrong. <laughs> I mean, think about that. You, you can never, you will never be able to utter those words to God. God, that was wrong. And, and, and be right. That will never happen. Think about that. Yeah, it's kind of like being married. I'm kidding, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We are wrong. <laughs> but God can never be wrong. Instead, his friend reminds Job, instead glorify his mighty works, singing songs of praise. Everyone has seen these things though only from a distance. He says, look, God is greater than we can understand. His years cannot be counted. God is greater than we can understand. His years cannot be counted. And then we go over to Job uh, chapter 38, just one page over in my particular uh, Bible. This is where the Lord challenges Job. This is the end of the arguments from Elihu and his other friends. And now we get to see an interaction between God and Job themselves. And this is where the rubber hits the road. And the Lord challenges Job in verse 38, chapter verse 1, uh, chapter 38, verse 1, he says, Then the Lord answered Job from a whirlwind. Now listen. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Huh. And he says in verse 3, brace yourself like a man. He says, pull up your bootstraps. It's a coming. Because I have some questions for you, he says, and you must answer them. Verse 4 of chapter 38. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me. If you know so much, tell me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? This is God chastising Job. He says, and verse 5, Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? If you're out on a construction site, they, we have engineers and they do surveys to make sure that when that bridge deck is put together, it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Can you, can you imagine them building the arch in St. Louis? They started at either end of the arch and they work towards the middle. They don't, they don't go all, they work towards the middle. If they had gotten up there, if they hadn't surveyed it correctly, if the lines were off, it would have been off like this. That had been a bad day for those engineering team, wouldn't it? Yeah, they had to be within millimeters of accuracy. God says, I am the one who drew the survey line in your life. And when I made the earth and the moon and the stars and everything in them, as I looked at the sun yesterday, as you know, we, we haven't seen it for several days, and the last couple of days we have, and you kind of see it through the clouds or through the trees of a morning or of an evening, and my mind goes, 1.2 million. 1.2 million. What? 1.2 million earths would fit inside that ball that I see out there. So We can't even imagine how far away it is. It takes eight seconds for light to get to us so the sun could blow up and we wouldn't know it for eight seconds. That's, we, you can't imagine the majesty of God as he surveyed this universe and laid down the lines. 
That sun is exactly the perfect distance it needs to be and the perfect rays hit this earth and the perfect angles. The moon's the perfect size. Spins at the perfect rate. One day just happens to be 24 hours. 365 days a year. Our entire calendar is based on the death and burial resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's 2024 or 2024 years since the days of Jesus. Nobody stops to think about that. I do. The next time you see the sun, think 1.2 million. It's unfathomable how big the sun is. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth, Jesus says. Who determined its dimensions? Who supports its foundations? Who laid the cornerstone? Hmm, man. Job uh, 40. Trying to follow my notes. I'm almost done. Job 40. The conversation continues. Again, keeping in mind what we talked about earlier was anxiety. Worrying. What am I going to do? And again, God never designed a human being to handle all the problems that would be presented to us. You know, you hear people say, God will never give me something I can't handle. That's a lie. Let me tell you something. That's, that's not in the Bible anywhere. God many times is going to give you exactly that. He's going to give you something you can't handle so that he can show you that he's real. So the things that you're worried about you can't handle, that means you can't fix it. So why worry about it? Give it to God. Through all prayer, petition, make your request known to God. Then the peace that transcends everything will come to you. Job 40. The Lord said to Job in verse 1 of Job 40, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? <laughs> I love it. Do you, hey, hey, you still want to argue with the Almighty? I, can, I just can't imagine how that conversation went. And how humiliating it was to write this down as Job wrote this down. I gotta tell people that God dissed me. Hmm. Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? He says, and I love this, he says, You're God's critic, but do you have the answers? Think about that for a minute. It's very easy to be critical of. People, it's very easy to be critical of our employers, very easy to be critical of any situation we can look at on social media. It's very easy to be critical of our leaders, all the way up to being critical of the way God made me, or what God is doing, or what God is allowing, or what God didn't step in, or why did God allow this? Why didn't he stop this? And why does he do this? And why do we have all this? What are we doing? We're being critics. So God says, fine, you're the critic. What are the answers? What are the answers? Smart pants. Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying. Job responds. I think Job, the light went on for him. And Job responds in verse 3. That Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. 
That's verse 4 of Job 40. He says, how could I ever find the answers? A realization has just struck him. After all that he'd been through and lost all that he had lost, including his family and his kids and his cattle and all these things, he's criticized God. God, how could you allow that? And finally, God says, okay, how are you going to fix it? And Job says, I can't fix it. I can't. And that's what you and I immediately, in 92% of situations, God, I can't fix that. That doesn't mean we don't try. It doesn't mean we don't do something about it. It doesn't mean we sit back on our haunches. But oftentimes, that's exactly what it means. I don't want to do. So, you know, when I lost my job, like, praise God. Okay. Did I worry a little bit? Yeah. But then I immediately thought, okay, God's got a plan. Okay. What's that involved? Plan involved? Well, I got to get my resume out. So, I mean, I can't just sit on my couch and wait for a phone call. I mean, it could. I mean, it could happen. But, but I think God wants you to do something. I mean, when you're driving down the road and, and God made engineers to make the car safer and he put in seatbelts and airbags, probably ought to put the seatbelt on. Good idea. Yeah. So we got to do something, but still he says, I, I, Job says, I'm nothing. He says, I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. <laughs> Job's like, I, I get it. <laughs> and they go on, and won't read that part, but Lord chastises him one more time just to make sure he's got it. You know, because sometimes when you discipline a kid, they'll say what you want them to, they'll say what they want you, what you want to hear, they'll say, are you really sorry you did that? Do you really mean it, what you said? And then they'll go right around and, and, and you know, they didn't pick up the room. They said they picked up the room, they picked up the room. You threw all their stuff in the closet. They didn't pick up the room, they threw it in the closet. Did you do your laundry tonight? You had to know, I had to do it in the dryer. I didn't put it in the washer. I put it in the dryer. So Job challenges him, or Lord challenges Job one more time. And says, "Hey, hey, do, do you get it?" Finally, as we know in Job chapter forty-two, Job chapter forty-two, verse one. Then Job replied to the Lord, "I know that you can do anything." Talking to talking to the talking to God, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You ask, who is that that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? I repeat that. Who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. Put your name in there. I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. And then we find out later that when Job prayed for his friends in verse 10, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, it says, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. I don't know that I would have wanted to gone through what Job went through to get twice as much as I had before and all the losses he took and the arguments. And really, probably the one thing I wouldn't have wanted to happen to me was to God say to me, who do you think you are, Scott? And then the entire end of the chapter, God is chastising me again, even after I said, I am nothing. I, at any moment at that, during that time, I'm thinking, I'm waiting for God to just take me. I'm done. I'm, I mean, I'm done. Remember, God is very patient to salvation. That's why so many things happen. It's because of free choice. God is patient because he wants as many as possible. He wants all. 
as many as possible to have the opportunity through faith to come to know him. Called salvation. And we have a responsibility, not just to sit on our haunches, but to tell people about the good news of Jesus. And those of us who already have him, we have a responsibility to let God take care of our worries, let him take care of our anxieties, let him take care of our messes. And I bet you most of you sitting in here today have got something that you need to give to God. Give it to God today. Will you? Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you have given us many, many, many scripture passages that remind us, do not worry. And then we see in Job that if we are going to be the ones to worry, then we're going to be the ones that are going to have to fix it. And we simply have been shown we're not the ones who can fix it. Most of the time, almost all, almost all of the time, because you want to majesty, you want to show us your glory as the great problem solver. Because you created us and you know us intricately, you know everything we have done, you know everything we are going to do. You're outside of space, you're outside of time. You look at our lives and you just say, "Just give me your heart. That's all. I'll take care of the rest." Put your faith in me, no matter what happens. We trust that, Lord. We thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.